0: On today's episode, Dave interviews actor James Grace. James has appeared in many films, including Beer Fest and Super Troopers. He's also currently the artistic director at I.O. West. I am Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy.
1: Um, are we started? We're started. Uh, I had somebody sitting in that chair the other day, and they said some things. And they go, oh, I didn't know we started. Um, so now we know. So now you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, where you go, where somebody says something, and I'm thinking, I bet they don't want to say that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they don't want to say that. And I go, they started, and they went, oh, I didn't want to say that. Like, that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Um, this is what we do. We just, I don't know if you listen to it, but we just sit, and one of the reasons that I wanted you to, to just talk, I wanted to talk to you, was um, it, this this podcast is really about the positive, like, positive aspects and, and, and the idea of how, how is it that we're still doing what it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's a lot of people who went another direction, and we aren't those people. Do you understand what I mean? I think like, so. Like, the, the idea of how we got, how, that we're still, we're, that we're not waiting tables. Uh-huh. Not that there's a problem with waiting tables. Sure. I just don't want to wait tables. I'm done waiting tables. I right. never waited tables. Have you waited
0: tables? I was a busboy at the Hard Rock Cafe, and it's the only job I've ever gotten fired from, because the manager was mad a day that I had a construction job that he had to bust tables. And mm-hmm. so the head busboy, when I was on the phone with him, and the manager was listening in, um, was like, "Yeah, I, I guess I should have scheduled, shouldn't have scheduled you." And I was like, "You know what? Just blame it on me." And the manager goes, "I am blaming it on you. You're fired." Oh. And I was like, "Wow, That's okay." How it Okay. I guess I guess I'm out. I'm, right. And I'm just doing construction full time now.
1: Oh fuck. Yeah. And uh, do you still do any any like building shit?
0: Uh you know, poorly around my house. Right. Um Yeah. I mean I you know, I'm I'm not the worst, but I'm certainly no Mike Coleman, you know, uh, right. or Pete Holney, or, you know, right, right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just a little bit, but you know, it was a great experience. That, that's, that's, I love the journey that I've had. It's, it's funny. Sometimes something will come up and I'll uh, be talking about something and then I'll be like, oh my God, I did live in a tent in Hawaii on right. the beach. Right. That's amazing. For how long? Um, the actual beach living was about a month before I had that accident. Right. You fell off a ladder. I fell off scaffolding that collapsed. Scaffolding stories. that collapsed. Yeah.
1: And how did that? How did that
0: change the way you look at things? Well, I, I when I hit the ground um, from two stories up, I had a geyser coming from my forehead and then my bone was sticking out of my arm, and um, I felt sure that I was going to die. I mean, I felt like it felt like it was really serious, and I had a total sense of calm. I just felt like if this is the end. I am happy with where I've come to. I don't, you know, and if there's an afterlife and there's a part of you that goes there that you can recognize, well, then I'll deal with whatever that is. And if there's an afterlife that a part of you goes there that you can't recognize, then I won't recognize it, so it doesn't matter. So, (laughs) you know, so I'm pretty good. And it was these big... Big fluffy clouds. that had just poured rain the night before, and uh-huh. it's Hawaii, uh, in the middle of Kauai, and I'm just laying there, you know, with my uh, head geyser. S- yeah, head blood. geyser, and uh, and I just had this like ah, this peacefulness. So, but I'd never broken anything before that, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm I'm a person who uh, needs severe lessons, and so you know I I really broke my arm. I mean I have a metal plate in it now and all that. So uh-huh. um, you didn't have insurance. I did not, but it was covered through... Hawaii's great because your employer has to have uh, employee coverage. And so... No we, matter what job you have. No matter what. And so we, uh, we... Both of us sued the homeowner who acted as his own contractor and forced us to use scaffolding because his house was built out of steel because his first house was blown off the cliff in Hurricane Iniki and was a rebuilt house. So this, this scaffolding had metal fatigue and that's why it collapsed on us.
1: And uh, us, when you say us. My boss. And both of you fell? Yep. He, I didn't know that he fell
0: too. Yep. He, he tried to jump. I was bending over to pick up gutter guard, which keeps leaves out. Right. And because of that, I fell in such a way that uh, I landed on my arm, and, and that's where my bone came out, and then my head hit. If, if he jumped and landed on his feet, and his spine got shoved up, uh, and his, his heels got like just fragmented into like, you know, powder. Yeah. So he was in a wheelchair for six months. Crushes for six months. I mean, he he got much worse. They had to medevac him to Honolulu. Who was there to, to rescue you guys? There were some drywallers in the house. Uh-huh. And you know when you have like you know those uh, those white towels that that are real. Uh, like if you get them wet and then they get dry and they're all hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, that, that are always like, like uh, for, con- not construction, but like workmen use It's kind
0: of like a terry cloth thing, yeah, but, yeah, it, yeah. but rougher. Yeah. Well, they came out to my rescue with one of those hard towels with sawdust in it and put that on my, <laughs> my geyser. <laughs> that was pretty horrible. And then <clears throat> they are like, they were like, dude, don't look at your arm. And I was like, done. But we were in the middle of the island. We are in the middle of, of Kauai. And where in Kauai? Because I've been there. In, in, in the very middle of it. I, so, it wasn't like a town. It was like up in the mountains up wow, in the middle. Wow, wow, And wow. so I knew like the ambulance had a long drive to come from Lahui. Right. And Luhue,
1: I, oh, so you're closest to Lahui.
0: That's where the hospitals are. Got it. So I was like, Got that's it. why I thought right. I was going to die. I was like, right. this is a long drive up. And it's not right. like, hey, you just take this 15-minute drive up this straight. It's like windy around shit. And yeah. I was like... They're probably not going to make it. That's <laughs> how I felt.
1: So, that idea of the idea of, because uh, I, I never knew that. I never knew that about the story, because I've heard the story a few times and I'm always intrigued by the story. But, but I never knew that feeling of release, mm-hmm. surrender, bliss. Mm-hmm. Is it bliss? Would you say?
0: You know what it is? It is satisfaction, it is contentment. Uh-huh, It is gratefulness. Yeah, and I think it's it's really a big thing of um, of making sure that you take care of things in the moment. Like, you don't leave things. Like, my grandmother passed away, um, she's 94, and I used to call her every Sunday and um, shoot the shit with her, and then my parents would talk to her and she'd know all the scoop on me, so she felt like she had a little, like, you know, oh, you know, James was doing this, and that. So, one Sunday, I don't know why, I just thought, you know what? I just want to tell you how much you mean to me and how much your uh, influence in my life has been and and these great memories I have. And I said everything that I would have said to her if I knew she was dying the next day and she died the next week. And I just felt like, you know what, that is a huge lesson. Do not leave relationships in a place that uh, you're going to get to. Right. You just never know with things. Like, you have to, like... And that goes back to the improv of, like... Being in the moment, being now, being being here, being present, what's right. going on, you know? And,
1: and the, oh, I totally understand that. Well, you know Blondell's story about his mom when, when Brian, uh, we were at that party. You were at that party, weren't you? New Year's Eve party? When he fell. When he fell.
0: And you took him to the hospital? I took him to the hospital. Yep.
1: And then his mom came out and visited him. Right. And then... Like was able to spend so much time with him, mm-hmm. and you know, Blondell was going, "Why is this happening? I don't understand when this happened." Right. And then he spent like three weeks with his mom. Yep. And then she went home and died. Yep. Joan Blondell. Yeah. Great lady. Great lady. Great lady. Picked her up at the airport, I believe. But it's that feeling of, uh, <clears throat> you never know. You never know. And I that don't. idea, I love that. That if you think that you can do, you can do it later. You can't do it later. And what's it? Why not do it now? Yeah. To look at somebody and go, I really, I love you so much, like right now, what, what's it going to take?
0: How is it, what sacrifice is it for me to go, I just want to tell you how fun it is to hang out with you. Right. Uh, one of our mutual uh, good buddies uh, and my uh, youngest girl's godfather, uh, Jeff Rosenthal, went to a, um, a, uh, a workshop on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And... One thing that really struck him and he's mentioned it a few times is that you know they had said like people always say oh I don't have two weeks to go to this you know I can't do that I've got my life to live and guess what this is your life right so you're not you're not like segmenting it and then you're gonna put that for later and do that it's right now you're uh, this is your life right now right it's not coming up down the road you know and I think that's a huge part of um, you mean to hold no, no, I'll uh, we'll be fine. I think that's a huge part of you, this business out here is that people are living for their pilot. Right. People are living for their audition. They were right. living for their acting, and not only uh, is that unfulfilling in the aspect of let's say you get it and then it's over and now you've now you're holding for another one. Right. But it's also unfulfilling in the way that. You don't have anything to bring to the table. You're an actor who only does acting. You have no life. You don't bring any life to it. Who cares? And it's also at the, when you're done
1: with all these things, have you done what you wanted to do? Or were you waiting to do what it was that you thought it was that you were going to do, right? And it goes back to improv as well. Like right now I feel this way, right now in this scene, I wanna say that and how many new improvisers or, or old new improvisers, or old improvisers if you want, um, experienced improvisers will go, I, We'll get we'll, that will come back around right. and I'll be able to strike that iron wall when it's hot later. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's not gonna be hot later. It's not gonna be hot later.
0: Well, yeah, it, it, it's that you have an impulse, follow your impulse. Right. Because if you don't, then the relevancy of your move is past. And then when you come out and you're like, Hey, there's the bananas. And they're like, what? Oh, from two scenes ago. That... Right. <laughs> right, the banana <laughs> right. thing. That would have been great five minutes ago. Right. But thanks for coming out right. on stage. Right, right, right. But I've, I've, I've found that a lot. Um, I, I do um, sweat lodges. Mm-hmm. Right. And for me, the biggest the biggest aspect of a sweat lodge is I come out hearing my own voice uh, more clearly than I did going in.
1: You come out hearing your own voice more clearly. Now, when you say your own voice, are you talking about the oneness that you have with you or, or, or are you talking about an artistic voice? I uh, think I know the
0: answer. Ah, uh, the oneness. The, the oneness. The, me being able to hear myself go, do this, right. do that. This is what you need to do right now. Uh-huh. The, the, the part of me that knows, knows what I should be doing. That's really cool. The
1: part of you that knows. Yeah, it the knows. The part of you that knows. And, and it's the part of you that knows and then the rest of you knowing that that part of you that knows knows.
0: And, and, for you and trust
1: be, it. And trust it.
0: And don't get in the way of it by putting things of this. But this is what I want, right? You know, or this is what I think I want, or, or questioning it, or this person. oh, man. They, now I'm going to spend my time being angry at this person because, boy, that'll really help me not at all. You know. <laughs> so it just kind of opens it up. And I also think the other part of that is kids. Kids. Kids just cut through the bullshit to to the core. Right. It's like either you're in or you're not. And they, they're not like, oh, you're kind of in, I'll kind of be in. They're like, are you in? Great, let's do whatever we're doing. If you're not, I'll go do something on my own. right You know? And right. so that's what, the, with my kids, it's been amazing. And actually, my son Liam, who's gonna be turning 10 May 3rd, went to his first sweat lodge uh-huh. uh, for the winter solstice. Up in the mountains, he, he made it through two rounds, and then he was like, you know, uh, I, wanna, I wanna get out of the lodge now, and they're like, uh-huh. come right out. right And it's interesting, Back to, to our buddy Rosie, um, his really good friend, Josh Claytonfeld, who yeah. uh, got me hooked up with these people doing the sweats up there, passed away, and he said every time he sees a blue jay, he always thinks of Josh. Whenever Jeff sees a, Jeff Rosenthal, Rosie sees a blue jay, he thinks of Josh. Right. Uh-huh. So Liam and I came out after the second round. We got dressed. We sat by the fire. A blue jay comes, lands on a tree facing the entrance to the sweat lodge and sat there for the rest of the sweat. I mean... And and Liam goes, Hey, there's Josh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's Josh. And it was like and it was just this beautiful blue blue jay, you know? So strong. Yeah, it was just it was like it's like those kind of things you, you can either be like well, a hey, blue jay happened to fly through the... Or you can be like, hey, it can't hit you in the face any harder that these things, these signs, these things all are connected and are happening. Right. And it's, do we have our eyes closed or do we have our eyes open to these things? I,
1: I absolutely agree. And uh, and Johnny, uh, our sound guy, our sound engineer, uh, and I were talking about cynicism uh, and how, and I feel like if you want to be cynical and go, you know, blue jays are all over the place. Come on, James, right. come on, Liam. You know, or you can look at it, because cynicism is the death of anything creative. And Mm -hmm. if you wanna jump into that, please do it, that's great. But know that you're doing that. Know that you are stopping that. If you want to say magic or belief or what faith or whatever it's going to be or a oneness, certainly a oneness, because we always talk about the oneness that well one person has. Jews and Arabs can get along, but it's also the oneness that we have with nature and the oneness that we have with ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that for you to say, well, I leave the sweat lodge, and uh, when you leave the sweat lodge, you are you really are hearing yourself. You're listening to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're listening to yourself wholly and fully. So you're, and it's also the idea of not not being connected, not holding on to anything. Mm-hmm. And your, your example of, um, I'm gonna be angry at that guy. And it's like, really, you're gonna take the time away from being with your kids, right. the kids, listening to music, having a good meal, dancing, singing, seeing the Blue Jay. Because we all <coughs> know what it's like out here, and it goes back to that tunnel vision where my life has to look like this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does it? Because it's certain my life doesn't look, I don't know anybody who has the life that they thought they were going to have.
0: Well, and the thing is, that life is so much less interesting than the life that actually unfolds for you if you uh, get out of the way of that happening. Right. And those connections, you know? You know, I, I'm, I'm never, I'm never uh, not pleased by events that happen when I say yes, and I'm like, <laughs> had I not said yes, I would not have met X, we would not be here, right. I would not have done this. Right. You know, I I
1: often play this game like how how I know somebody, and when I go how I know somebody, I keep going backwards to say how did I meet that person? 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 So if I want to say how I met you, um, and how old were you when I met you? Seventeen. I was seventeen, and you are how old? I will be forty-five in July. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is this is how I met you. Um, I met you because when I was 8, I'm 53, my mom and dad and my brother, my sister and I moved to a house from one neighborhood in Chicago, an apartment, to another neighborhood in Chicago, a house, and my mom signed me up for acting classes, and then that's what started the whole ball rolling that got me to you right now. So. I moved, I met this woman named Esther Wykell, who was my director, and we did a bunch of shows. And I went from there, I met a guy named Mickey Henningsen, who's a, he, who is a, a friend, uh, who was a mentor to, to me at the time, and Noel Olkin, and those people. And uh, then I went to, uh, I, I did shows in, in, in NI, NIU, and then I came back and did theater in Chicago, and then I went to I.O., and that's where I met you. Mm-hmm. But it all started when I was eight.
0: Right right that turn that got you going there
1: that turn mm-hmm. and and because my folks said yes to acting classes mm-hmm.
0: because they said yes
1: right i'm here with you <clears throat>
0: well, that's that's what we do with our kids my wife Marion, and i we were like try this try that try this mm-hmm. try it just just go experience it right. and if it's not for you not for you then try something else right but you know it's like and you don't have any connection to them trying it. I'm sorry to interrupt. You, 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 you don't go. Well, we tried. Don't you? Couldn't you try harder? Right. No. No. Right. Do you like it? Right. Does it speak to you? Right. If we hadn't done that, I would not know that my son Liam is a conduit for dance. I mean, he—that kid, the music flows through his body, and it's—he, it's like a, it's like a little Michael Jackson. You know, he, he, the way he moves is just like, wow, wow. You know. On top of him, like doing sports and all that other stuff, but like he loves dancing. Uh-huh. He love well, like he just moves. It just, it just, it makes me think of like Stevie Ray Vaughan or Jimi Hendrix. How it seemed like you could almost see some kind of thing coming through the ethernet and and in the the, the, the the air and just kind of plugging in through them. Mm-hmm. They close their eyes and it just came out, and, like right. like that. Well, I was talking to uh, to Jill Soloway, mm-hmm. Um
1: who you know? I and know very well. Jill, Jill was talking about being a conduit, saying that she does not indeed own any of this, nor is she attached to any any of this. I forget, so I always choke. I always, cho- always kind of choke up, not tear wise, when I'm about to say something so Cali- Southern Californian. But but that she's a conduit for the spirit that goes through, mm-hmm. and really, we're all that spirit. So when you talk about that, the clouds that are over. You know Hendrix and, and Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know that they're also over all these other artists that we connect to, mm-hmm. and then to see it in your kid, that's crazy. Yeah, that's really crazy. And and the energy that he gets gives you and Marian uh, and Una uh, and uh, Goldie Goldie that energy of family and that ties that whole thing that 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 brings that whole thing of family closer together and joy that comes from that. Yeah. And collaboration,
0: yeah. I mean, they—they they all do. Una is—Una is, uh, is a person who likes to look at it, and then she goes in. Oh. Whereas Liam is like head first, and then he's like, like, "Where am I? All right, okay. Well, here's how I'll make this work." Then that, he, he will be—he could be mayor if he wanted to be of the city. He's just. He just knows how to talk to any. I I really admire him. It's it's interesting to, to be to be a father to have a, a kid and the way he can talk to people. I just admire him so much. Like he can talk to anybody about anything, and that's not my forte. I'm not like, you know. And I and I think improvisers. It's weird. Some some improvisers are very extroverted, right? And some are not. And and I am not. Like you know, when I'm out performing, great. I'm I'm there to do that, right? But I'm not. I don't need like the. You know, I don't need the, the, the gavel in my hand, um, but he, not that he needs a gavel, but he can just talk to anybody and he'll, and it, it was something that worried us as he was growing up, because, you know, the world we live in, it's like, you can't just go up and talk to people, but he can, <laughs> and he'll get, you know, get them talking about, you know, the, the they've been whittling for years and their favorite thing they whittled was a blood, you know, right. it's just it's just an amazing gift that he has.
1: And how we um, and what ends up happening with that sort of stuff is it inspires us on in so many levels How long is that gonna go? On? Let's see
0: It's the honking of the honkies. Oh, really? I can't believe people still do that I
1: don't know, man. Let me see. There we go ah. um, That always you, makes me your figure. house your house has uh, but being at your house and hanging out at your house and watching your kids play and all that sort of stuff. It's just so... The, there are a couple houses that are like that. That are little beds of nurturing voices and shit like that. And, and how exciting it is to be to be around that, to be in orbit of that. Mm-hmm. But you've also set up that community. I mean, you're part of a community that's out there with the Holneys and the Kechners and the, uh, the Finns. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Collins's and what? Collinss yeah, right. Murray's, right, right, and and that universe that we all live in. And I always say, you know, I kind of chalk it up to being from Chicago, but I, I don't know any better.
0: But I do believe that it works for us Chicago people to have that community, to have that sense of unity. Well, it, it's interesting because all of those families that that we just mentioned, all their kids go to Catholic school, right? So there's a a a. a Spirituality that goes with Catholic school and, the, and our Catholic school isn't like real over the head They don't have nuns or priests teaching, but there is that element of that And so there's a real community in that school, right? But inside that community is our Chicago community <sighs> and the people that are like it in a that regular great community Look at our community. and They're like, that's amazing <laughs> You know, and I, I always remember Pat Finn's brother said to him one time He's like you don't understand like a, a Sunday get-together for you guys is like the party of a year for anybody else it's like the most fun people just laughing, having a great time. Everybody's watching each other's kids. Right. You know, nobody's nobody would be like, well, that Sean Holney's pretty close to the pool. I, he'll be okay. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, Sean, you got to get over here. You got to put your vest on. And every kid is like, oh, okay. Well, these, you know, they all call each other fuzzins, friends who are cousins, because they just hang out at all the time, you know? And it's like, my cousins didn't live close by. I saw them every now and then. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't have what my kids have with this relationship with these kids that they see at every Easter and Christmas and Fourth of July and St. Patrick's Day and I bet you Thursday. didn't see that when you moved out here. I bet you never saw that coming. No, not at all. When I got out here, uh, it was my second tour of duty, um, and I came out to do the acting and you know try to focus in on that and... and um, you know, I was single, and so there was there was the immense loneliness that LA can be. Right, so isolating, coupled with the struggle and of, of
1: trying to figure out who you are,
0: uh, of trying to 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 work in the business. Right, you that's know? what I mean. And um, so I di- I had no idea that that this would be coming, but I mean, it's the most fulfilling thing to to be around that family like that. You know, I I, I it
1: goes back to the. Uh, to something that we haven't talked about, but it, it's it's in the air, and it's a sense of expectations. And if you could think what, and you think whatever it is that you think that it's going to be, but it's going to be so much different if you get the fuck
0: out of its way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, in all the years of, of, of running iOS, I, I've seen so many people come out here, and they have. Saved X amount of money, which is the perfect amount now, f- to get out here for a year to do what they're gonna do, cause this they're gonna be out here for pilot season, they're gonna book their blah blah blah. blah da, 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 da. And then about six months into it, they're like, Oh no, I gotta live a real life here. I can't. There is no on track thing. No. And I've seen a lot of them go back. Right. You know, and then I've seen a lot of them like, this was what not what I had planned. Oh, not what you know? I had planned. And and it's like Nobody in this town cares that you came here. They weren't waiting for you to get here. They weren't holding up production for you. They weren't like, "This is a great movie, but we got to wait for that kid from Chicago to get out here, or that dude from New York." Nobody's waiting on you. And but I always I look at it as um, you know there there is an infinite amount of work out here. There's always going to be new stuff going on. So it's not like if I didn't get that thing, it's it's over. You know. Because we just know too many people who have been on SNL, who have had their own sitcom, who have, and it's like, and now it's over, and right. now that you see them at commercial auditions, right? And, you know, and they're it's, not dead.
1: Yeah. Or you look at somebody like Kechner whose name comes up a lot in my in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know that that like he he's a great example of somebody, Dave Kechner who's who's who really crafted his own role, who mm-hmm. really set his own this is who he is and he did not stop being who it was that he was and also just kept going i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that i'm going to do that i'm going to do that and we know so many people who don't know the word no Mm -hmm. who don't know the word can't do it um you know nia is a great example of keep moving forward Mm -hmm. keep moving forward keep moving forward
0: and i love those people well you know the thing too is you know dave is a a very 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 close friend of mine Mm -hmm. and um, you know, it, on the, if you just see him at, you know, that movie and that TV show, it looks like, well, Dave just keeps working all the time. I know he really had to dig in deep to get stand-up going. That's what I meant. And he was like, all right, well, I'm not getting this right now, so I'm going to make this happen. Right. And, you know, now he's filming Anchorman 2 and, um, you know, but he, he is a person that when, to me, he's always felt like my big brother. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, um, we started in, in level one class together. Uh, I rem- in Chicago? In Chicago. Uh, I remember one of those classes. I did a scene. I got some ice cream out of a freezer. I I put it in the bowl. I was saying, would you like some ice cream? Notes afterwards. Dave was like, he didn't need to tell us it was ice cream. We saw what he did. Like I clearly remember him <laughs> going, show, don't tell. And, and I was like, fuck you, dude. But then I was like, that, that is a good note. That is a good note. But, you know, so I, we've been together for, we lived together for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, so I, what can appear easy? I know there's a struggle in there. Well, I'm
1: not saying that, there, that it, it didn't appear easy. I just, I just my thought was, and I, my thought was, he kept going, this is what I wanna do, this yeah. is what I'm to do, this is what I'm to do, naked trucker and all that that mm-hmm. was. Um, and, and I use that as an example because you brought up SNL and
0: him being fired from SNL was, a big, was, was really big. I know firsthand. We were on a trip together up the coast of uh, California and Oregon into Washington. And I sat in the car as he was on the payphone and got that news. And they came back to the car. And I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. What? You had characters that were like the hits of that season. He's like, they did a test thing, you know, whatever. And we went, we drove to the ocean, walked along the beach for a little bit. Dude. And he's like, what the fuck? It's crazy, <laughs> right? You know, right? Because I had, pl- I, you know, I'm a big national park guy and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I had like laid out what when we were going to climb Mount Rainier. So he cut his trip short so he could get back to representation and figure out what's going on. and right. I, I did the Rainier summit by myself. Wow. But um, you know, with guides and everything. But um, yeah, I, I distinctly remember when that happened, and that was like one of those lessons of like, when he got on SNL, I thought my brother's on SNL he's made it, he's like Belushi, that's it, he's made, he's a made man. Right. And then when that happened, I was like, okay. That's not how this business works. No, no. At all.
1: No, and I think a lot of people have that lesson and they might see it as crushing and certainly there's a grief period, but what are you gonna do with that grief period? Right. Because the grief period brings you into the past and does not allow you to look at the present that you're in and be able to move forward from uh, using that. Right. uh, the idea that when, when you look at something and go, oh, this is the way that it's going to work out, and it doesn't work mm. out that way, all that you can do is laugh. You know, mm-hmm. you can, well, first you cry and then you laugh and you go, okay, <sighs> all right, good, good, good. You wake up in the morning and go, my girlfriend. It's like, oh, no, I don't have a girlfriend anymore. Right. We broke up. And now what do I get to do? The other things that I got to do.
0: Right. You know? Um, He's a guy, though, that's like uh, 98% sheer will. Like, I feel like. If Dave had to pick a car up off of somebody, he would he would will that car off of it like he's got that kind of like <laughs> right yeah. he just do it
1: right he would just do it and and look and and it's so f- fucking inspiring to like hang out with people like that mm-hmm. it's so inspiring to be because there's a presence that people have. And when, you, when one walks into a room and you've got that and, and Eric Honeycutt's got that, you know, I'm talking about people that we know, um, uh, uh, the idea that you walk into a room and, and, and everyone's like, oh, you're here, oh, good, I'm, you know, I, I like talking to this person, I like hanging out with this person, I like you know, the, the spirit that this person has and how easy it is to be around this person as opposed to people that we do know where they walk in the room and you go, Dude, you smell like stale cigarettes, you smell like a fucking ashtray. And and you're such a downer. I just can't even take a moment to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice that we have. It's really a choice that we have. And when I know you've you've had some tragedies in your life. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that you don't you go, that happened, and not only do you do that happen, but you 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 make it uh, you, It built, to say it builds character isn't, it sounds like a Wheaties commercial, but (laughs) you've used these things in your life. You've used these things in your life, and it's just, it's tremendous.
0: Well, you really don't have a, your choice is either you Uh, grow from it or you don't grow from it. Right.
1: Right. Those are the two Well, options. but the thing is that certain people go, and, and you know these people that will go, where you go, how's it going? And they say, well, I didn't get that role, I didn't get that part, and yeah. the test results have come back, and, and, and it's inconclusive. And you're like, okay, uh, okay, I'm glad you were honest with that, but what else? Right. I think it's gonna rain. Fuck, no. Right. No,
0: no. And I don't like playing with those people. Mm-hmm. And they're on their own path. Yeah. Well, and I think that that happens a lot as, as people improvise longer and longer if we're talking improv, is there is certainly agendas that get put into place. Oh, wow. know, a what? An agenda. Yes. And people, you know, it's like, so tonight I'm going to go out and I'm going to get do, work on some of my characters or rarely are those people like, you know what, I, I'm so excited to be here tonight. I love Dave. I, I can't wait to get on stage I, I could care less. Like I feel that I love playing with Megan Grano, who yeah. I've been, played with recently right. quite a bit. Yeah, and it's I feel this this there's this feeling like I just want to punch her in the face. <laughs> I just love playing with Megan Grano so much. I love engaging her on stage right. to that like that point where it's like oh I just want to punch you in the face. I know, you know?
1: I know, I know. Sometimes I want to I want to kiss somebody so bad that I want to punch them in the face. Uh-huh. I, I want to strangle them. I want to punch them. Right. I want to kiss them and punch them. Uh-huh. I understand I just played with uh, Mary Beth Monroe uh, at the Dallas Comedy uh, Festival there, and she's another one I just want to grab her and punch her uh-huh. and near knee- and, knee and, and <laughs> She's a foul-mouth person too and and when you when you deal with foul-mouth people especially of that Caliber you go there's no there, there's no governor on what you can do There's no governor on what you can say you're going to say it you're going to go there and say it mm-hmm. I mean she described um Mary Beth described, uh, and, like I was her father and she was a daughter and she, I just, she didn't get along with anybody and it's like nobody knew why she was there. I mean, I had a vasectomy and her mother had her womb, uh, had, had her lady parts filled in with concrete mm-hmm. and somehow still my sperm got the mom pregnant. And she described that thing, Mary described it down to the, 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 the sperm spurting out of the urethra and I'm gone. Mm-hmm. That's fucking great, man, mm-hmm. that's great. Not that it's dirty, but it's just like, I'm around somebody that is inspired in that way. And we know a lot of people like that. Sure. We also know a lot of people who go negative that I don't wanna be around.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, in talking about like, getting down to the, the, that kind of nitty gritty, uh, last last year at the Improv Festival, the LA Improv Festival, uh, in the Weird Ass Show, Stephanie Weir <laughs> played this woman in church who was trying to get attention Uh, it's like the people in church were saying their prayers and her prayer was for her AIDS baby and she was wearing it like a badge like, but I have an AIDS baby. (laughs) The baby has AIDS. Like it was the darkest fucking thing and so committed to on such a level. It was like Steph Ware, who is the sweetest woman. Yeah. The, what was coming out of her mouth was just like, holy shit, but so committed to it. Plus, let me say that she was playing multiple characters all fighting, and Bob was the minister. Uh, I mean, it was brilliant. I mean, it was crazy inspired work, and I was like, that is another level of, of you talk about a conduit. Uh, Steph Weir, I mean, hands down, is, is one of those people that you're like, wow. Um, I'm,
1: gonna, I'm interviewing her uh, next weekend, and I cannot wait. I yeah. cannot wait. But I, I I, remember, and you're probably, you know, so many people we look at, and I remember the first time I saw her and <clears> um, I saw uh, Stefan and Bob. Um, I was doing Quick Wits, and she was on it or going to be on it. I think she had to step away from it for some reason. But I remember watching her and thinking, she's got, she's got the fever, dude. She's got the fever. Um, And a lot of people like looking at where those people are right now and just saying I love the trajectory that you went on Mm -hmm. that You found your voice and your and and the fact that that we talk about Pasquazi a lot that he's not dead You know that David got his shit together 20 years ago 25 years ago and now he is just such an icon in the work that that we all do and a model in that way and inspiring in that way Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that we I look at now, you know, that aren't you know, certainly Farley's not here anymore, but mm-hmm. how goddamn inspiring he was, yeah. and
0: continues to be. Yeah. Well, you know, D- Dave was um, my my quick. Who's your favorite improviser? Answer back then always because he always looked like he was having fun. He always looked like it was a joy. It was never like oh I got to make this work. It was just like he was taking the ride, right. and he was also very. Uh, Nurturing and support. I just remember him treating me like, like, why well, you should get up and play with us tonight. It was it was not at Second City. It was some other place, and I was like, what? No way! What? I, I, I he's like, of course you should. not I was like, no. How, how can I play with you? That's crazy. It's like, ah, come on, you know. And, <laughs> and you remember that? Oh, I totally I mean, no, remember. No, the
1: people that you go, come on, play with us. Yeah. You're like, no, no, no. You come on, play with yeah. us.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was it was that it was that feeling of like, you're good enough. You you belong. You're a part of this. Right. You know, that was so and amazing. when somebody gives that to you, and we all have the ability to give that to somebody else, when somebody
1: gives that to you, you don't even you have no idea, or maybe you do, what that does to that person, right. how that changes that person. It almost it, it 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 changes them metabolically. It changes them at their very core. Because what we <coughs> do it create creatively is all about encouragement. Mm-hmm. It's all about the, the encouragement that somebody else gives us and then we buy into that encouragement. Like for me, I, I know that there are certain pesquazes in my life and there are certain directors that I have in my life who just said one thing and they probably don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm doing, that's one of the reasons that I'm doing this right now.
0: Whatever it is that I'm doing. I, I love when somebody comes up to me at I.O. and they're like, I have an idea for a show. It's this, this, and this. And I go, all right, when do you want to put it up? And they're like, right. what? <laughs> oh, oh, I was just talking out of my ass. No, you're not. No, you have an idea. Let's, let's suss it out a little bit more and why don't you put it up in, in May? Oh shit! Okay, right. And now the ball's rolling, and then it gets put up, right. And then they're like, "Wow, I I just didn't know that that was going to happen,
1: right." And that, and and also for them to be part of the creative process of creating the show, knowing that the idea that they have is not necessarily going to be the way that it's going to look, Mm -hmm. and and how it's not the product, it's the process. And along the way, they just start learning more and more about what's their voice and how they accept what it is that they offer and how they reject what it is that they offer Mm -hmm. and how they close themselves off and how they open themselves off as well. And anybody that's been part of that process. and, And I think one of the things that you got going at IO is it's not just what you teach, it's how you teach it, you. And it's not just the way that the curriculum is laid out, it's how you uh, relate to your teachers and it's how you have opened up that space and made it you collaboratively made it your own. And I'm being very careful about that because I, I'm, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not stepping on Sharma's toes, but right. that place runs that way because
0: you help it run that way. I, I feel like a lot of my philosophy and the way that I want things to be community-wise are, are there because that's how I do that. Um, and, you know, uh, anything can work. Right. But this is, this is the way. For me, I just, I, I, I feel like it should be supportive. I feel like you should have a chance. Mm-hmm. And if you don't step up, then you had your chance. Right. And if you step up, have another chance. Right. Have another chance. Have another chance. <laughs> right, right. And th- those are the people that become the pillar of the community. Mm-hmm. The people who are like, well, uh, I wanna help. Well, what do you wanna do? Uh, uh, I'll do this. Great, do it. Right. Like, people just need you to say, yes, do it. Yeah. You yeah. have permission to do what you want to do, and I don't need to give it to you, but you clearly need to hear me say that. Now I'm saying it to you. <laughs> and now if you don't do it, take full responsibility that it didn't happen because no, I didn't say no, right. you said no to yourself. Right,
1: I, uh, when, when I go upstairs in your office, you're at the center of all that, but you wouldn't know, no one would know that. Your desk just happens to be there. Mm-hmm. But it's so, like there's no borders, there's no your office, there's no this is mine, my space, that, that just says so much. And certainly it's part of the, the mm. structure, the architecture of the building, mm-hmm. but it also has a lot to do with the way that you listen. You listen to people. I also feel like no one there goes, "Oh, James Grace is coming." James is coming. James is coming. You don't. There's that's not
0: there. I think. I think with like the Herald teams and the and the sketch teams, um, there is, which is interesting to me. There there is like a he's watching us Mm -hmm. because those are the those are the things that the theater has like full control over. Got it. You know what I mean. Got it. But what's interesting to me about that is that I have never come in and been like, Dave Rosowski. you're off that team right. I've never come and seen a show like that. Right. I would go I would talk to your coach and I'd say, I'm wondering what's going on with Dave in here like what are you what are you seeing you're working with him all the time again it's a collaborative process mm-hmm. and they're like yeah he, he's he's getting it but we are having this problem and then I you know I'm a firm believer of like tell him exactly what you need from him right and give him and say and I want to see improvement in this amount of time like lay it out for somebody like an adult. And then if they don't step up to it, then you, you have, you've had the conversation. Right, you know right. I mean? So it's not, like, it's not like this dreaded like, the ax is coming in to watch the shows and, and that team's broken up. I remember that that was the way it used to be. Oh yeah. It used to be that sure. way back All in. All about fear. A,
1: a, when did you, When were you at I.O. Uh, Olympic?
0: I, I started in uh, February of 87. 87, Jesus Christ. So
1: it used to be like that and I remember getting fired from a team. I remember being booted with the line, You used to be so good, what happened? Did you ever get back to being good? No, I never did. That's oh. why I hosted a <laughs> show and I'm not, I'm not teaching class anymore. Um, but it's, it was such a weird thing to go. And, and the person who said that to me was yeah. absolutely right. She was right. But that didn't help. Right. It's the note, it's that note, Get out of your head. And then I go, But where do I go? Because mm-hmm. you're supposed to tell me where I'm supposed to go. For you right. just to say, get out of your head, doesn't help me at all, right? Because I know that. I know get out of my head. I know I'm not good. Right so now, so good? how
0: can I get better? How can I? The thing is, though, I, I just don't think anybody is like, good, that's it, That's they're done. Everybody goes through peaks and valleys. Right. Everybody gets in their own head. You know, you don't play for a while, you get rusty. All that stuff happens. You know, right. I, I play a lot less than I, than I, in the last five years, than I ever did before. I have a family, and I have to choose where I want to put my time. And my needs aren't that—that that I need to be on stage for me to feel like it's happening. <laughs> right. I would rather be reading to Una in right. bed, you know. Right. Um, oh. For that to feel like it's happening for me, you know. Mm-hmm. But the times that I am on stage, I, I love being on stage. When we played up in Monterey, that was super fun. That was super you know? fun. And it was like. It, it was one of those things where, where, for me, that was great because we were so away from my family and everything else. There was nothing else. It was like, that's it. That's right. what's going on.
1: You're really able to give it the focus that you that you yeah. want. You're able to be there, be present with all of that. Yep. That's just so important. Um, yeah. All, like all, all those, and they're choices that we have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the idea of you going, of you saying, this moment that I have, this is the moment. So now that I'm going to be on stage, I'm just going to be here with you. I'm not going to, and and when somebody says, you used to be good, what happened? And if I bring that into my next show, I'm fucked. Because I'm with you, you don't know that I'm thinking that. Right. And you're just looking at him going, why is my partner not connecting with me? Because your partner isn't with you right now. Right.
0: And then you go, am I doing this wrong? How is this, why is this scene not working? I must be doing something wrong. Right. Dave seems okay. I mean, I don't know, but... It must be me. Right. And now we're in our heads. Right. You know? Right. And and
1: it's one of those things again, I'd I like to say that we don't have choices, but we do have choices. And there's only two choices. I feel like the choice is either to be present or to not be present. Mm-hmm. Either to be here or to be somewhere else. And the interesting thing about saying either to be here or to be somewhere else is you're always here. You're never somewhere else. Right. So you might as well if you want to look at it, go, that second choice is a false choice. Exactly. Because it's just it's an echo of the first choice. Well
0: it's a protection. You're, you're afraid of something. Absolutely. You, you're, you're you're choosing to not be here right now because you're either scared that you can't deal with what's going on or you, you're, whatever it is, it's something that's preventing you from embracing that moment. You know? Oh boy, and that moment
1: is so full. Uh-huh. It's everything that you need. And, and I was just in Dallas and I was working with these people and for me to say, look, I don't care about the who, the what, and the where at the beginning of a scene. I just don't care about it. Mm-hmm. Are because this is about behavior, behavior in the
0: moment, mm-hmm. and the
1: moment is what we have, and let's build off of this moment.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of making me have empathy for what's going on on stage. If I don't care what's going on on stage, then you can say the cleverest lines. What and it's like, well, that was smart.
1: When you say empathy, are you talking about from an audience standpoint? Or are you talking about from a from an, a, a partner standpoint? Uh,
0: all, all, all of, of it. it, yeah. But you don't, you don't get it unless you care as well, and you you know what I mean? It's, That's huge. You, you know, it's all about the relationships, but I, I, I love the, uh, the idea that the only way to improvise uh, incorrectly is to try to do it correctly. That's the only way that you can do it incorrectly is to come in with a preconceived idea of right. what is correct and what should be happening and what you should be doing, because it'll never fucking happen, ever. How could you know what I what my preconceived notion is, you know? And even my preconceived notion is going to change as soon as you say something or do something. If I'm in the moment, right? And,
1: and you want that feeling that yeah. you can change that, and exactly. that 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 is not like Dave expects me to do this. Dave just expects me to be present,
0: right? I mean, that's different. That's that's sketch. That's a that's a you know, and that that does take preciseness, and that does. And then once you get that, then you can find the improv and the the, the those moments that you discover in that, but. For the improv, you, you have to come open. Right. Every moment.
1: And you don't have to. You get to come open. Mm-hmm. You get to be there in that moment. I, I think for me, the greatest, the greatest moment of a, of, of a show, if I'm, if I'm going to do a show at I.O., is when I'm backstage before I even enter the stage because there's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing. And I live in that nothing. And that nothing isn't scary, that nothing is nothing. And how wonderful that is. What other opportunities do I have? I guess every moment I could say, now there's nothing, now there's nothing, mm-hmm. now there's nothing. But that's such a clear moment of nothingness. Right, yeah,
0: preceding the something.
1: Exactly, mm-hmm. and when I have that nothing preceding the something, the moment that I enter the something, I'm, very, I'm hyper aware that now there's something. Mm-hmm.
0: Because prior to that there was nothing. Right. And that allows you to see the, the blink of an eye or the, mo- the nervousness on a chair's top or the, the subtlety of it. You know, exactly. You want to really be there for all of that.
1: And the interesting thing is that that <clears throat> is there is no subtlety of it all because that matters. All of that matters. Yeah. That was not there before. Now that is there now. And, um, and anybody who, who is alive, uh, maybe people that are dead as well, I don't know that. Anybody that is alive can get to have that moment every moment that they're here. Mm Because it's always happening. Mm -hmm. Always happening.
0: Well, that's one of the reasons that I love doing two person shows is there's less people to have to be like, let's let's just do it like that. Let's just make it simple and just be there for each other. Right. You know, again the agenda thing, you know. I feel like when you get in, in bigger groups, it's hard sometimes, especially when it's like a show up kind of a group. Right. As opposed to a group that you've been working with. Right. Right. I feel like you have to you have to practice. Well, I was looking
1: at um, I'm looking at uh, I'm look I'm thinking about. Um, Stacy's not here. Uh-huh. The group that I did that we we were together for twelve years, and when we're together for that twelve years. We started to really listen to each other, really pay attention to each other. But you're also talking about great people too.
0: Yeah, but and when I say practice, I don't mean get together and do a rehearsal of a show. I mean be together and listen to each other. That's what I mean.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Because I can't. You know, we did rehearse, but then we stopped rehearsing. You know, Carrie and I. Well, but it goes back to the two-person show. Carrie and I. We don't. We rehearsed once, twice. Mm-hmm. And we've been together for seven years or whatever it's going to be right and yet I know with you and Megan or with you and whoever you you, you pair up with you're not going to pair up with somebody that That isn't listening to you, right?
0: Yeah, I want somebody that I can look in their eyes and I can f- See a whole thing going on right, right, not somebody right. who's like what's next? Right. right. Well, where are we at right? Right. Uh, let's do British accents. Oh my God!
1: I oh, I totally understand that, and and that and that thought of to look at somebody's eyes because that goes back to zero, that zero, that nothing point, and then to walk in and enter and go, oh my God, man, you're not here, you're right. not here, and that's okay if you're not here, because if you are not here, please be consistently not here, because I can deal with a consistently being not hereness. Mm-hmm. I know how to deal with that. It's that other stuff where it's like you're here and you're not here, you're here and not here.
0: Right. But in the end, who wants
1: to deal with a not here? I will work with them once, and then that's all. But I will be there. You'll 100%. get through it. You'll get right. through it, but you
0: won't be like, wow. It was great improvising around you. That was awesome. <laughs> but we do know people like that. Mm-hmm. And there are people uh,
1: I was asked to do at the San Francisco Improv Festival. Somebody asked me uh, this uh, coming up. Uh, they said, oh, do you want, uh, why don't you and Rachel work with this guy? And I went, no. I'm not gonna work with that guy and I started I hardly ever do that But I've worked with that guy once and when I was done working with that guy I felt like that was really hard mm-hmm. That was really really hard, and I don't want
0: to do that anymore But you know there are some people who would prefer a not their person so they can just do their one person improv right. show right 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 <laughs> I know
1: that you know and,
0: and there's a school out here that teaches that mm-hmm. for you to be that
1: guy or a woman and for the other person in that scene just to be the foil
0: and that's okay. I'm not sure which school you're talking about. I don't care, but it's across the street. It's the for the blind. The oh. blend, blend hey, school for the blind. Hey, Macarena. Right, right. Uh, yeah, you, but you know, it, it's funny. Just on the different schools and stuff. I, I, I guess I should be like fighting for IO, but I just feel like that's the complete opposite of what improv's all about. Right. And like when UCB opened, I was like, awesome. The more improv that's going on, the better for all of us. And people will go to the place that they You can't. You can't trick a someone who wants to do Second City way into staying at IO. And you can't trick. You know, it's like you're gonna go where you feel like this. This speaks to me. Right. You know. And I always say, pick, take the pieces that work for you, put them together, make your own shit. That's right. it. Right. Um, okay. Let's be, make
1: that it. All right. Thank you so much, brother. All, All right. Thank, thank you. you.